The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Also, just want to give a brief shout out to John Armstrong for fixing audio issues on my end of things. So, Dude2 really appreciates you, John. Thank you so very much. And guys, we hope you enjoy this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we got some fun and exciting things to talk about, but I must ask first, as always, how are you, Dude Two? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. The other day, actually, this reminds me of a thing. I feel like I, I, I have to present this to you now as well. And I feel like oh I'm god, are you myself. telling me something? Uh, are you telling me something on air you didn't tell me before? Yes. So <laughs> okay. I, I was th- I was thinking about it. Like, what if I did a YouTube series like Joe's Pickups, and I talk about discs I pick up? I don't know if anybody be on, interested in it on, on the YouTube on channel. our YouTube channel on our YouTube channel. So so what you're saying is you're gonna finally upload something? I might. <laughs> Well, you know what? As long because we still just have the one video. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, it, it's just been a little crazy. Hopefully, by by the end of the month, I I I might try to do some stuff. Um, because I'll actually have I'll actually have time. But you want to know something funny? Yeah. So first off, shout out to my sister because she is very much a fan of the show, and she always tells she always texts she always texts me messages and stuff of like things that she picked up while she was listening to the episodes so i always appreciate that i like that you know my family actually seems to enjoy what i'm doing you know whereas before like if i would make a video they would go "Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) (laughs) okay or like my my mom would just be like he you look so cute like that (laughs) you know But um, now she can't she, say that because you're on. Uh, this is a podcast. So <laughs> now, now she can't see me. So <laughs> this is sort of a ploy. I bet my sister right now she's actually like ten episodes behind because it took her a second to get through the Star Wars episode. Mm. But uh, she listened to episode twenty five, which was our How to Train Your Dragon episode, our comeback episode for twenty twenty one. She the first thing she said was, "Has Joey uploaded anything yet?" And I said, I think he for I think he hasn't. I think he just stopped caring <laughs> about the about the last idea he was gonna do. That's so pretty accurate. Yeah. So he, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, no, it's still just the one video I made. No, it's just the one video, actually. <laughs> you're you're looking for those two videos, then? Well, it's just the one video, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, I just thought that was funny how that how related that is but what else is going on well uh i i brought up the potential youtube idea because i i picked up some movies on the warner archive like four for 44 sale mm-hmm. and uh, for those you don't know like the warner archive they put out like discs of movies that may not there might not be like the most mainstream 
titles and it's it's like stuff that they just own the rights to that they figure people would probably have an interest in yes it feels like that's perfect that that's yeah that's exactly that's exactly it so for that sale i picked up the thin man on blu-ray which is one of my favorite um you know one of my favorite comedies you know there's some serious parts but it's it's hysterical i love william powell and myrna loy it's great I also picked up the Volume 2 Tex Avery set because I love the cartoons of Tex Avery. Like, Drew. Do you have the first one? I have the first one, yes. First one I have. Complete Uh, set. Nice. mm -hmm. And then I picked up uh, Curse of Frankenstein, which might be relevant for our podcast later on this year. Hint, hint. And it's a... And it's a movie I very much love, and I might have talked about it at some point, but I'm not going to go further into that. No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and I also picked up the original The Thing. Uh, the Thing from like an, another world. Oh! Yes. Cause I, that's really cool. I never owned that on, on disc before. So, it was very exciting to get each of those for 11 bucks, like on Blu-ray. That's that's really good, because sometimes they can go that's, for... That's really good, too. Yeah, they can go for like 17 to 20-something bucks. And it's just nice when you can get oh, stuff yeah. like that. Actually, speaking of Warner Archive, the one title that I'm really waiting for them to release is Dr. X. You remember I was talking mm. about Mystery the Wax Museum with yeah. um, uh, Lionel Atwell and, of course, Scream Queen Faye Ray. It's another two-strip Technicolor movie that they did. And I have it on DVD, but they have a 4K restoration of like some of the original materials. And it's, it's never it's never looked better before. And it's going to have some bonus features on it. Um, I haven't seen it up for pre-order yet, but I thought I saw it's coming out next. Uh, well, we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, by the way, uh, about next month or, or so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the Warner Archive, uh, Warner Archives, uh, some cool stuff going on. But how about you? I'm all right. You know, I, I'm a bit better now. Uh, at least at this point. Um, when this episode will be uploaded, hopefully both of us will have been fully vaccinated because I have a schedule now because in, in Ohio there, uh, at some point by the end of the month, pretty much everybody is allowed to get vaccinated. So I'm actually really excited about that. And I got a schedule, so I'm going to go get it and I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm going to maybe try to get it a little bit sooner, but you know, I'm just happy to have a schedule and I don't even care what they, I just want to do it and get it over with. Cause I'm excited. Absolutely. But it's, but it's also like stirred up thoughts of like, you know, like both on one hand, like what's the first thing I'm going to do now that I've, I've been back. Cause obviously, you know, once we're, va- once we're vaccinated, it's not like the pandemic's just over boom. Cause it's still going to be going no, on. Right. But it's like, you know, once you're vaccinated, you feel a little bit more safe to just like, do things so i actually might just get a haircut because i haven't been to a a a haircut place in a year (laughs) yeah i I think that would be nice that that sounds nice yeah so but it's also like you know how how like how do you sort of integrate yourself back into at least not necessarily what exactly what things were like beforehand but like using what you've learned now and and through all this like moments of self-reflection and just thinking about things like how to apply that moving forward to have some kind of quote unquote normal existence. So there's, it's a, it's a scary change feeling, but it's a good one. Yes. Um, And for those of you out there who have been vaccinated or about to get vaccinated, please continue to social distance. Please continue to make smart choices. You know, obviously if you are hanging out with people who have also been fully inoculated you know there's that, that that doesn't mean it's foolproof 100 percent. but like 
you know, you might be able to do something. But again, all that being all that being said, please be safe because there's many, 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 many people out there who have yet to be vaccinated. But the way things are going, it feels like we're going at a decent clip. Yeah, as far as vac- it, much better than what I would have thought, say last year or so. Yeah, like it'll literally like be going on exactly a year for me tomorrow since like my last normal day of like work. You know, uh, yeah, because I think I think lockdown officially like started up this week a year ago. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because I remember working and my last day of like normal quote unquote normal work was friday the 13th (laughs) wow (laughs) the timing and that was like the quote-unquote two-week uh two-week lockdown to keep things contained and then you know history history happened and uh we're in we're in this position now but i'm so happy i was very thrilled to hear this news about you um thank you you know as i was when you when you got yours it's just it's just nice to hear some like some good news you know, for once, it for once in this long stretch of awfulness, like not even just pandemic stuff, but like hate crimes and and d- d- dividing, you know, between thoughts, like all this stuff that's just made things significantly worse this past year. And so it's just it's nice after a while to actually have some kind of positive news at some point even if it is personal it's still nice yeah no absolutely and it you know it's saint patrick's day so i don't know like, whether or not that is a good thing or a bad thing for you if you if you're drinking a green beer hopefully you're doing it safe i just had i just had a reuben for lunch <laughs> and that was yeah that, uh, there you go there you go that was oh that was delicious are you wearing any green on that note i am not neither am i so just pinch yourself. Although I, I, when I did have to go out today, I was wearing a green jacket. So there's that. I have green eyes. Well, there you go. That's, that's all. You like need. I have, I, I'm always naturally wearing green. So you can't pinch me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's right. Keep your fingers away from me. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else have I been doing? I've been watching, um, you know, ever since we di- we talked about The Matrix in our last episode, I've been wanting to catch up more with the Wachowskis movies. Mm, yeah. So, because um, I own pretty much all of them but two. I don't own Cloud Atlas, and I don't own Bound. Um, but I watched Cloud Atlas, because I remember you, said, you saying that was like the Wachowski movie you'd seen and you liked it. It was a good movie. It's It's a lot. And they do make some some odd choices, let's just say that. But for what it was and like the message and uh, how they went about it, which again wasn't entirely like the smartest thing, it was still a pretty good movie. And also it was just funny to see um, Paddington and uh, the pawn shop <laughs> guy like almost, like like have a weird like animosity towards each other because I'm like, oh Ben Wishaw, what's up, man? Yeah. Where's your marmalade sandwich? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, like like I said, I, I, I haven't seen it since theater, so this 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 November it'll be going on like nine years since the last time I saw that movie. And it was it was in theaters. Um Hurricane Sandy it hit and like I said, the movie theater was a nice uh nice escape. So but the music in that movie is fantastic. The score The music is very good. Oh, it's 
it's some good stuff. Other than that, uh, I've been because I mentioned I don't know if I, I I'm pretty sure I mentioned that I got um, the the rest of the Disney Signature Collection mm. as far as like their Blu-rays. Yeah. So I've been watching those. Uh, I watched recently 101 Dalmatians, Pinocchio, and Bambi. 101 Dalmatians. I remember. I pretty much remember watching all of them maybe once or or a few times when I was a kid, but I just don't actually like remember a lot about them and so like watching 101 dalmatians i remembered like when uh the the puppies were really cold and the that one like lassie dog uh came and like helped them and they were in the barn and um they were they were drinking from the cow's udders mm. i do remember i remembered that part right no i like i definitely liked the movie I, I i liked the dalmatian family like like there's that whole scene when they're just sitting watching tv and then, like, L- I think Lucky was the dog's name. That was just like his head was right up against the screen. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Re- I do remember. I, I like that scene a lot. And I think there was like a, a like an ornament or a toy or something of of those Dalmatians, like wa- watching watching that show. That's just a good vibe. I, I always remember playing like the CD ROM game for 101 Dalmatians, and you had mm. you were at Corella Deville's like mansion or like abandoned place or whatever, and you're trying to find the Dalmatians. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Speaking of that scene, though, I just thought the the What's My Crime game show, which is like a parody of, a, of an actual one, mm. called, I think, What's My Line. But I saw What's My Crime, and I was like, that very much seems like a show they would do today. <laughs> like, like, they would have a criminal come out, but instead of, like, inspectors, they would have, like, freaking um, celeb... Like, they would have two... They would, what they would do is they would have two actual inspectors and a celebrity guest who played an inspector on tv <laughs> i feel like I, I feel like it'd be like a netflix original it totally would or like something on like uh true tv or like history channel or something or something like yeah obscure like viacom owned channel or something no i i ended up really liking 101 dalmatians pinocchio was a really weird one because like it, it just was like there was it felt like such a like liberation of animation that it wasn't like beholden to like a specific kind of logic so there's scenes where like there's people but then there's also like talking animals that are that it's it's like the whole like we were talking about when i was uh yesterday the whole uh uh goofy uh pluto scenario yeah (laughs) with like mickey's (laughs) friends Uh, (laughs) or like um like there's a there's a scene where someone eats a smoke ring like it's a donut um Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio can breathe underwater, which Pinocchio makes sense, but he's also made of wood, so I imagine that would have logically been a problem, but again, it's a cartoon, so who cares? Or, like, the the Chloe, the fish, like, just sort of that odd thought of she's a fish in a fishbowl who's underwater. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But um, it's sort of what made, made the movie more exciting and more, like, you know, entertaining because they were like, it's a cartoon. Let's just have fun with it, which I feel like sort of was a build-up thing because like you go from Snow White to Pinocchio and then straight to Fantasia, which is basically that in a nutshell. Right, is sort of like absolute like maddening, like an, an exciting series of like animated shorts to music. But no, Pinocchio is a lot of fun. Bambi, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about these movies later on. Hint, hint, wink, wink. But Bambi. No one talks about that one enough because that's an amazing movie. It is. It really is. Like, good lord. Mm-hmm. I like you. I don't. I don't. Unless because you were talking. You were saying this yesterday um, as well. 
the only time we ever really hear about Bambi is, spoiler alert, when Bambi's mom dies. Yeah. It's a damn shame because it's such a gorgeous movie. Just like the the, the music is great. I, I, I said this to you yesterday as well. Like, I remember watching like the documentary for it, like the behind the scenes feature as a kid and seeing them like animate like the rain droplets, like ha- like frame by frame is just just mind blowing, man. It's it's insane. And also just the marriage of music and animation is so like beautifully done. It's oh, my God. It, listen, if you guys have not watched Bambi or if you have just it's been a while, it's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic but that's pretty much what i've been doing honestly it's just watching these movies and bide my time till i get uh till i get a shot for sure for sure well uh we had a lot of exciting things to talk about initially but now let's get on to the the real meat and potatoes of the program our double feature oh yeah so (laughs) woo! (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, <laughs> I, I was not used to that. You you threw me off with that one. Ugh, I'm okay. <laughs> oh man, but um, <laughs> for the okay, so double feature. That's what this show's about. For this episode, um. For anyone that's been listening to the show for a while, like my sister or Allison, we, uh, during our first, like, ten episodes, wanted to do an episode on Paddington and uh, Hamilton. And while they don't really have much in common, uh, you know, they're, they're little things. It was an episode we wanted to do 100% because these were two things that we just watched at that time that we fell absolutely head over heels in love with. You know, I, I, I couldn't stop talking about Paddington. You couldn't stop talking about Hamilton. You know, whether it was, you know, me like saying, Joey, I got a marmalade sandwich or you saying, Richard, I'm listening to the music. You know, it's just something that we were very much into. And yeah. it hasn't really ended. We still, we still like, like the other day when I said I got a shot, you, you sent me... <laughs> You sent me a gift from Hamilton. Like I'm not throwing away my shot. <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's still very much movies that uh, experiences that we love, and so this episode is basically that same ballpark because recently we both watched movies that we just couldn't get enough of, and we fell absolutely in love with them. And uh, for Joey's movie, which is our first one. What are we talking about, dude? Too. What is this movie you fell in love with? Well, the movie I fell in love with, as if I need to go to my notes to know what the movie is. I'm just pulling them up. <laughs> it's like, do you forget? <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? Um, is it uh, no? Okay. I no. don't know. I forget. A <laughs> uh, uh, Specter Canine? No. Uh, what I'm talking about today. <laughs> we're talking about today as uh, our first film is Jim Jarmusch's. Uh, sort of almost genre bending meta uh, film, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. Ghost Dog, little context for how I came across this. So, this was announced to go into the Criterion Collection a while ago. And uh, apparently, it was a really beloved, like almost like cult film. 
And I was intrigued because Jim Jarmusch, because I like a couple of his movies that I've seen. I like Only Lovers Left Alive. Mystery Train uh, was one of my favorite films I discovered in college. Great movie. And uh, uh, Down by Law I really enjoyed. And I really wanted to check this out because it was like, oh, like this kind of a weird like mashup of things. And Forrest Whitaker's in it. There's also like stuff about the samurai. And Criterion had a flash sale, which is like just a 50% off sale that randomly happens. And you have 24 hours to pick up what titles you want. That are in stock for you know twenty four hours. It's a ticking hours. clock. So, ticking clocks. So I picked up, I picked up Bamboozled, uh, Sid and Nancy, and nineteen eighty four. And the other title I picked up, uh, this was a title I, I definitely knew I had to pick up, and I was glad I was able to, especially given it's a newer release in the collection. Um, was Ghost Dog, and I watched. I was watching. I was just in the mood to watch a bunch of Criterions that week because it was a week where I didn't have to do much editing. It was a week where I, I didn't have to do much work for the show. Little did I know, uh, watching Ghost Dog would present me with even more work I would have to do for the podcast, <laughs> uh, a la this episode. But that's besides Well, the point. you know, you know, this episode, I would say this episode was a different idea, <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? That is true. Maybe Joey would like yeah. to talk about this movie. So, the, the, yes, uh, we'll, me- we'll mention <laughs> we'll mention what this was. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that in part two. But uh, go- Ghost Dog. So basically, Forrest Whitaker plays the titular character Ghost Dog, who is who is a hitman for the mob, and he he follows uh, the samurai code. He reads the Hagaguri um, Hagaguri every day uh, be- religiously. And he, he, fe- he just feels like a guy who is sort of, like, out of touch in certain ways. Like, he tries to stick to this code so much. And it, 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 the whole movie is about this. Like, just the idea of, like, following code and sticking to it. Um, and you'll, you'll see, like, quotes pop up on the screen about how a samurai should live their life from the ha- Hagakure and... You know the way the way he he sort of like presents himself and the, like like you were pointing this out too in the movie like when he has his gun like the little flourish that he does yeah I love the flourish just he pulls it out like a samurai sword like yeah and then like he has it or like he put he puts it he holsters it like a samurai sword yes but this is uh, one of the cool things with this movie too is I feel like it, it it is just such a nice blend of different things so you got like. The American, like you know, gangster movie, like with the with like the the Italian mob, and then you have like you know, um, th- thing things you know, like like hip hop culture mixed in, and you have um, of course samurai culture. So it's a nice like just beautiful smorgs blend of all of those um, all of those different things. Exactly. What one of the things that's really just one of the things that 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 really um stuck like was really striking to me was and i said this to you this is literally just vibes the movie that's how you pitched it when when you were talking about it with me because um i think when after you finished watching it because you were like texting me about it periodically as you were watching it and you literally ended with this is so good oh my god like you were you were absolutely like in love with this and you literally said this is literally like a vibe, and I was like, 
I like I like I like good vibes, so I'm always down for that. Um, so when I watched it, well, you know what? Actually, I was I'm curious. Did you know about this movie at all before you watched it? No, I had never heard of it. I had never heard of it before. No, I knew the movies. I knew of the movies that like Jarmusch was sort of referencing, like Les Samurai. Um, I think Branded to Kill was another one. I knew of those movies, but I never heard of Ghost Dog. Because I, I never heard of this one either. It just, I mean, granted, you know, it was 1999 when it came out. My focus was like Sleepy Hollow and just re-watching Space Jam, probably. So, <laughs> but, um, no, like, I mean, I guess it makes sense that it just wouldn't, fl- wouldn't like, be there. I might have heard about it at some point because my first experience with Jim Jarmusch was only Lovers Left Alive, which I'm just, I always just get excited when like a new vampire movie comes out. And I think I was watching some late night show and Tilda Swinton was on, it was either Tilda Swinton or Tom Hiddleston. And they were promoting this movie and they were talking about it. And I was like, oh, it's a vampire movie. And they play like vampires who are just like tired of being immortal that are just tired of, you know, the like, I think they refer to humans in that movie as zombies and uh, Mia Vosikovska is in it, and I usually like her outside of Alice in Wonderland. So, like, yeah, okay, this is this could be good. And Anton Yelchin's in it, and uh, uh, and he's very he's very good in it. Another vampire movie from him that I actually enjoyed. So uh, maybe in learning a little bit more about Only Lovers Left Alive, I may have heard about Ghost Dog. But it's I didn't it didn't like stick out in my mind. But I do remember that poster of like him with the blue background and then just like that cool font that says Ghost Dog, the way of the samurai. I do remember that maybe a little bit is like like it's just like in there in my brain, but I didn't really know much about it. But it is a very good movie. I am happy to say like that's always the scariest part whenever we do something like this, because um like if there's a movie you absolutely love, and like it, it like I would feel so weird if like I was just like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was. Wasn't the I case was terrified. I was terrified showing this movie. <laughs> really? Because this movie, it, it it's like it's like two hours long, and a lot of there's a lot of stretches of time where he is just driving and vibing, and that is what he's doing. <laughs> It's it's it literally is like he's just driving, vibing. There's scenes where he's just like, you know, sitting on a bench, and he's hanging out with his with his friend Raymond, and eating some ice cream. And he and you know, there's a little kid that uh, is asking him questions, and they're talking about books. But then, like, like is when you think of the word samurai, the first thought for a lot of people is like, you know, katanas and sword fights and stuff. But there's, like, one katana scene in the whole movie, and it's just him swinging it and, like, training with his katana while, like, really great music's playing. But it really is just a really cool vibe. And even when um, the more violent aspects of the movie happen, it's it's still interesting. And the way it's shot is even, like, you know, it's very, like, sort of handheld, but it's still very uh, engaging. Um but, uh, like, it was funny, like, the first thing I thought of, uh, and if we didn't already do the last episode, I would have said this would have great, this would have paired perfectly with John Wick. Yeah. 
which i mean john wick is obviously more of just a straightforward not really a straightforward action movie but like compared to um ghost dog it is more in the action movie genre but ghost dog in a lot of ways feels like that because ghost dog has a reputation of uh being this like sort of weird elaborate hitman that is good at his job and he's loyal to the guy he works with um and uh it all changes when uh the thing that he's closest with which is his birds uh are killed uh while you know he's being hunted by these other mafia dudes um and so uh like he basically goes on a rampage sounds more action-packed when you say the word rampage but it, it is like again a vibe movie like like i guarantee you like the confrontation that he has with henry silva is significantly shorter than the scene where he's changing the license plates <laughs> <laughs> they really do focus on like the more i guess mundane aspects but then like when when he like goes to kill someone it's just like pew, and then you're done yeah it's it's very he, he it's you know he he had there's a lot of preparation there's there's you know it's very efficient what what he does mm-hmm. um you know he he's very he's clearly very good at what he does but i i just i just love um th- there's so much to talk about with this movie but of course Forrest Whitaker it, it, he's a great actor but like watching this movie it made me hate Rogue One even more cuz <laughs> cuz he's your least favorite part of that movie isn't he as far as like he, actors he's just he, i feel bad cuz he's so wasted in in that movie mm. because you know that character Saul Guerrero is a good character in other things yes and and he has played he's played him in like other media and it's been better handled in other media than in Rogue One cuz like he's in he's in Rebels and he's very good on Rebels he while it wasn't Forrest Whitaker you do see you you do meet a young Saul Guerrero in Clone Wars and he shows up in Jedi Fallen Order Yes, he does. Yes. So there's there's definitely and he's good in all those, but it's just like he's 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 a little bit different when you when we meet him in Rogue One. Maybe it's just because it's the end of his days. I don't know, but um, I mean, I don't personally mind him all that much. But he's definitely not like one of my favorite things about it. And I, I think a lot of it, I do think, is because it just sort of like is a quick moment versus like something that could have been like bigger. Yeah, I, he it could have been a more interesting character, but Forrest Whitaker is very good in this movie. Like, you know, I was think you're you're totally like you're watching this, and there's a lot of the movie where he just doesn't talk. Yeah, I was I, I was I was curious about that. Like, what if he was like silent most of the movie? And there's a lot of moments where he is, but like, you know, like you he reads like the the Hakakure quotes, and then he you know he does t- he does communicate, and that's a big thing in this movie too is the idea of like language and communication. He com- he communicates with his um with his with his boss Louie through pigeons. Like he sends messages through pigeons. And they're they're like can't you just get to this guy? Can you just like talk to him or call him? It's like no, I I, I got to I, I contact him through pig- through pigeons. <laughs> Their faces when they when he said that too like, "Huh?" That they're just like, "What?" <laughs> and oh, the other idea of like communication too is that his best friend Raymond? Oh, I love this. Uh, his best friend Raymond does not speak English, 
He only speaks French. Runs an ice cream truck. Not that it's important for that for the language detail, but it's important to us that he runs an ice cream truck. All right. Yes, it is very important. There's some great scenes where, like, Forrest Whitaker will say something in English, like, "Hey, I, I don't know, maybe your 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 Haitian like Taylor buddies can like fix this up," and then Raymond will say, "Oh, this beautiful suit. Gee, maybe maybe one of my my Haitian Taylor buddies can can fix this up." <laughs> Like, and they don't understand like, anything. <laughs> they don't understand what anyone is saying, but they can, but they a hundred percent can read each other, which is the, the wildest thing. Like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie. Yeah. It, it's actually, it, it, it's really like one of like, I think one of the most beautiful, like one of the most like fun, like friendships in a movie. Like, I just love, there's like a scene where he take he takes, um, he takes ghost dog, Raymond takes ghost dog. Uh, to the top of this building to look at this this uh, Spanish guy building a boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I I love that scene because like when he um when when he's like you know how's he gonna get it off the roof and then Ghost Dog's like you know I wonder how he's gonna get that off that roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There, there's some great great exchanges. Um, the actor's name who plays um Isaac uh, de Bancole, um. Who was also both of these guys were in Black Panther? Yeah, I I was like I didn't recognize him because in Black Panther he has like that that lip. I don't know what it's called. I'm I'm sorry. But I don't it's know that, either. It's that lip. It's the lip thing that like he, he his character wears in it. But uh, he's in it. He he is uh, he is in it, and uh, there it, it's just a fun. It's a it's a fun friendship. Uh, but the other part it's of this... probably my favorite thing about the movie if I'm being honest yeah that's yeah it's it's pretty great um and then like because you have like the idea of the samurai code but then you have the the American like gangster uh feature <laughs> in this movie oh oh boy like these guys like they are horrible horrible human beings with, with the, th- the things that they say they're incredibly racist a lot of them uh yes and they, they're just they're just awful human beings <laughs> like like there's there's a scene where that like they have a bunch of mobsters going after trying to find ghost dog so they're just going on roofs and like trying to find random people with birds yeah <laughs> and they're just like well, well what the, what you're not you're not the black guy well what the hell are you then <laughs> like, what, what? yeah like what that was messed up <laughs> or even like um this the, the the one scene when um they're talking about ghost dog like when they're asking louie questions about him and it seems like such like a like an older generation thing to like w- like it's such a cliche like as i think everybody does it like when you get older you start questioning why younger people are doing the things that they do mm-hmm. and they're like that's like and you look and you think of it you think of it as in the most dumbfounded way, and yet the ironic thing is that you did exactly what they did. They're just doing it differently. No, oh, yeah, because like, um, because because like, what? His name's Ghost Dog, and then they ha- they have people like Handsome Frank, Frank, and Sammy the Snake. <laughs> it's, it's like like Ghost Dog, like you know. Oh, and then like when I was like, oh, you know, like the rappers, like Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. I personally like Flavor Flav a lot from Public Enemy. <laughs> it's, and then they're just like going, "What?" It actually makes me think of like uh, my "Do the Right Thing" and also uh, "Bamboozled," because you have white characters who they're incredibly racist, 
but they enjoy like famous like famous black people like Michael Jordan, yeah, or you you know um, Jackie Robinson, uh, Muhammad Ali, like all the all these people, you know, like like they they're incredibly racist, but yet they're like no, the, the, these guys are like uh, John Turturro says no, nah, they're they're different, like they're, the, it's a different kind of it's a different kind of thing trying to make like sort of an excuse, you know how they you know right. they sort of view it. It's literally like ignorance and like. You know, oh, it's a different thing. But it's like, no, it's like it's still like there's more than one way to be racist. Yeah, basically, and uh, people tend to focus on like the worst kind. It's like, well, they're all really the worst kind. Yeah, you know, there's just many different versions of it. Um, so it's just that scene alone was just like a great kind of character defining moment that these older guys they're all like like fifty plus older people or like maybe even older. And uh, they basically, ha- like I said, they have this conversation, and they're like, "Ghost dog, what does that mean?" And then, of course, like you're saying, uh, they're like, "Yo, go get, uh, go get like little John, or go get, uh, <laughs> go get, you know, whatever the snake or whatever." And it's just, it's, it's, it's really like, do you not, do you not hear yourself talk? <laughs> but they all, they also have like weird quirks in their own right. So like. Every single one of them seems to love watching old cartoons, which again I think also perfectly encapsulates that this is a group of older generational people. It's actually funny because I remember I was watching the Q and was listening to the Q and A with Jim Jarmusch talking about this movie, and like there are people like, are there is, there is there a reason why you put the cartoons in there? He's like, I like cartoons. <laughs> cartoons are great, but it, it, it's it's just so funny because you see that the Henry Silva character. He's intensely. It looks like he's intensely watching Felix the Cat. Like ter- this guy turned <laughs> diamonds into jelly beans, and I, I just, I just find it hysterical because I think about my like, my grandfather, and I'm just like, I'm just trying to imagine him just like in- have that same intensity watch something like Felix the Cat. <laughs> he's literally just. I don't think he blinks at all in that scene as he's watching Felix the Cat, and it's funny like that character. I instantly recognized him, and uh, this is n- no offense to, to him, because I, I don't mean to be mean, but I instantly recognized him because he looked exactly like the character he plays in Dick Tracy, and like he's, he's got this elaborate makeup on, so I was like, oh, okay, I know exactly who this guy is. It's, I don't know, it's, it's probably a little bit mean, but... <laughs> He's got a very distinctive face, though. He really does. He really does. Y- you know, um... He, he he definitely does, and I think he's he's very good in the in the movie. Very good. I, I think there are. I think it's, it's just an incredible cast, and I think that with this movie and also our next film and some other great movies, is that if you're, you're you need to be able to create like a, a believable world where you have like these characters that you sort of want to come back and see again and again, and I think Ghost Dog enca- encapsulates that like the characters in ghost dog are just because uh, you remember all the quirks of these characters like i bet like the one old uh one of the older gangsters when he sees ghost dog he's like oh my god it's ghost dog and then he has like a heart attack like right after right yeah. after like he has yeah outbursts. <laughs> passenger pigeons he's got passenger pigeons they've been extinct <laughs> Each one of the, uh, each one of those like gangster characters is so like unique. It's so, <laughs> like it just make, but it makes perfect sense that you would have that reaction to Ghost Dog and then just die. <laughs> but I also uh, there's also the idea of just like 
of just general like up thing up appearances. Like I think about mm. all the encounters Ghost Dog has with the one dog that keeps showing up in the movie, and the dog is yeah, like, they, they keep staring at him. Yeah, they just, they just it's, it's like his it, it's like his spirit animal. There's just so many things, but again, the idea of like codes because the the ultimate moment, like the the final moment in this movie, you know, it, it's it's Ghost Dog saying. Am I really going to commit to this code, the life, the life of the samurai, and you know, am I really going to fall on my sword, sword base, you know, not an actual sword, but a met metaphorical sword? Yeah, and it's sort of about that, like how much, how much are you going to commit to an idea or an ideal? And I, I also think about the scene too after like the massive shootout at like they call it the castle or whatever, and one of the gangsters is like, you know what? At least Ghost Dog is taking taking us out the old way. There's like a certain level of like a certain degree of honor in that, despite the despite the fact we're talking about like hitmen, basically. Right. It is very much like that, and I even think of like like a lot of the different quotes that pop up, like you were mentioning earlier, like and how they talk about you know just the old ways, but also like the new ways, and I think that's a massive part of it too just like i like i think of that quote i don't remember it verbatim but like the the one thing that's like um moving forward and adapting with time versus like sticking too much to the old to the old ways and i think that's a part of it as well <clears throat> but there is also that like you know you know sometimes the old ways is the best ways i think if i'm reading that correctly <laughs> yeah it, it's like listen like as much as you want to go back to a hundred years ago, you just can't. There's, there's no way. I also, I, I also think that applies to just Ghost Dog in general because there's all this stuff about honor and trying to, you know, do do all the things that you need to do. But he's also still a hitman, and he's also like he's stealing cars and, and and things, you know. But you could also look at that, and there's other samurai philosophies you can take into account. Like I think Musashi Miyamoto or um who's also very famous like samurai had also like some things to say about like regarding like battles and fights where it's like listen it, it's like because people think oh i don't want to cheat or want to do this it's like listen your goal if in a life or death situation is to win and that is, is it's sort of like that you're trying to do you're trying to be efficient with what you're doing you know mm -hmm. and also again in the modern world there is only so much that you can do it's not like back in the day where Maybe Ghost Dog, if he was like an actual like samurai, would have all, his own horse and all all that stuff taken care of. He doesn't. Uh, this is this was shot in Jersey City, but the the location of the in the within the universe of the movie they don't really specify. They have like the highway state, and there's like another license plate that are fictional like state names, basically. Yeah. So which adds to this like you know ooh this sort of like adds to like the you know adds to the mystique of the movie. Um, I, I really want to talk about uh, the RZA. His his music in this um, is really like one of the one of the most uh, notable things about this production. Have you heard his music prior um, to this movie? I heard like, outside of outside of movies. Outside of movies, um, not too much. Like, have you listen? Have you listened to the Wu Tang Clan? Um, bits and pieces. Like, I you know, and I know I know of the Wu Tang Clan, but. I, I had never that uh, this movie sort of in a way sort of in, really introduced me to that world 
And I think what the RZA does with the with the score, it's like it really is a nice blend of like what you think of like with a samurai film. Like some of the pieces like feel like almost like a remixed version of like something you'd seen like a Kurosawa or like a '60s samurai film. Yeah, you know that is actually a good point. That very that does um that does seem very much like uh the like I didn't think of it like that, but that makes perfect sense now actually. And then just like some it it has its own unique like unique vibe to it. As I as I said again, that word vibe comes up again as well. It's an appropriate word. It's appropriate for for the movie, and it really adds to like all those like those drive like when he's just driving and he's listening, and he brought in other people to help with the music and some of that other stuff, and it, it really it really creates like a very unique, um, a very unique, very um, very intriguing uh, sort of mood through the movie. Another big thing with the movie too, and we're going to talk about this too with our movie, our next movie, are, are books. Books are very important. And, and reading, and we said language before as well, but you have the little, like, this is more most emphasized with the, the character of Perlene, the little girl that he encounters. Um, she has, like, a little, like, her lunchbox, which is sort of, like, um, reflective of, like, he has his briefcase, she has the lunchbox. She has b- books, and uh, Ghost Dog lends her Rashomon, and then ultimately she's the one that sort of inherits the knowledge of Ghost Dog, inherits the Hagakure, and she's the one reading at the end, at the end, so. Like, like, you can almost argue that if, if they ever wanted to, they could make a sequel with her. They should, they, I mean, you know, the movie's fine on its own, but it's, it, you know, that's, it it definitely has that feeling, too. Yeah, like, you could, you definitely feel like, yeah, she's the one that's gonna, that's going to inherit this. You're gonna hate this, but she's the John Blake. (laughs) No, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, I I could see that for for better sure. better better character, but she's the John. <laughs> and we only had to see her for like two seeds, <laughs> two or three seeds. It's just like, <laughs> oh man, uh, let me just. She's not a knockoff Robin, is what I'm saying. Oh my god, but but ultimately, like the big takeaways for me with this movie are like, you know, everybody is like trying to stick to a code in a world that has changed so much since like a code has been established, like. One of the again another I think keep thinking about the quotes like one of them is like you must you must try to stick to your like stick to your path and it should be that when the more you hear about other like quote unquote ways the more you stick with your own and then there's the, the like codes language and and books but also it's just it's just really just a cool it's just one of the coolest movies ever made honestly it is a really really cool movie like again vibes got great music i love raymond and ghost dog's friendship it's so unique and it's so interesting and it's so fun even if they can't ever understand each other like you just you still love it regardless yes and just the way everything plays out like it's a really well-made movie and again it's there's a lot of vibes to it like again there are a lot of scenes where he's just driving around listening to music and that's fine because you're you're still interested in what's going on oh yeah oh yeah for sure briefly i want to uh shout out cliff Cliff, the late cliff gorman uh plays plays sunny in this movie uh, who's like the the flava flav uh fan yeah (laughs) he's i think he's very good uh, in them, actually, what's cool about this movie too is a lot of there's a lot of like different like people like from like Scorsese movies. Um, the casting director was like the same one as like a bunch of uh, Martin Scorsese movies, so that's that also makes worthy of note. But yeah, Ghost Dog, uh, 
you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to go uh, go for a trip uh, into the bush. Stay tuned. You said bush. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about Joey's uh, recent beloved discovery of Ghost Dog. Now, we are talking about um, a movie that I had discovered recently. It's from a director I very much love, Taika Waititi. And it is uh, one of his earlier movies. It is the 2016 comedy film, Hunt for the wilder people, I don't have anything really to. Uh, I was gonna say you already did it. So, <laughs> I, I did. I even do it for Ghost Dog. I mean, you did do it for Ghost Dog because you introduced it. This is true. <laughs> this is true. I, I, I have, I have nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just start talking in a New Zealand accent. Hey, man. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like. It's like it's not that scary, but I figured, you know. I just uh, <laughs> expectations. Uh, yeah, you really. This was one where you really fell in love with it with this one quite a bit. It's so ridiculous. I love it. Um, so, <laughs> so okay. So, hunt for the wilder people. First off, I want to give a shout out to my friend Kate from work because she is also a big Taika Waititi fan and. A couple of times we would talk about like what we do in the shadows or Thor Ragnarok or Jojo Rabbit or something. And she said, you have to watch Hunt for the Wilder People. She would be she was probably one of the few people that would constantly just be like, you have to watch Hunt for the Wilder People. And I was just like perusing Netflix a while ago and it was on there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this because I, I, I like Taika Waititi. He hasn't really made a movie I haven't liked so I'm gonna go ahead and watch this, and oh my god, it's it is it's so hysterical. I can't I I can't even put it to words. But I'm curious your thoughts on this because you had not seen this before this point. No, I I had never I had never seen it before. Um, I had, I had heard good things because you know obviously knowing Taika Waititi and uh yeah I I had never seen it before and I was like. And I was very glad that it popped up on Netflix. I've actually been pretty happy because lately I've actually been able to use my Netflix account for things. Same. Because it feels like it feels like out of a lot of the streaming services, I feel like I use Netflix the least. Funny enough. Same with me, actually. I use I probably use HBO Max the most just because I watch like HBO shows periodically, 
or like I'll use Disney Plus because again, watching the shows on there periodically. But Netflix, I probably use it the least. But there always there's always something on there worth watching. It's just unless unless it comes on. You know, I just don't bother. Yeah, it's like I, I feel like somebody needs to tell me if something's on there or whatever. There's a rotating library of things, but you know. Yeah. And I'm glad we we happen to um to get into that part of the library rotation where Hunt for the Wilder People on it because this is a great movie, guys. It's absolutely great. And fun fun fact, uh, we mentioned this in the last ep- in the last segment. The whole episode because of this movie was going to be a Taika Waititi episode. Yeah. That was that was the initial plan. So like it was going to be what we do in the shadows, which he co-directed with Jermaine Clement, and then it was going to be Hunt for the Wilder People. However, because of Joey's inclusion of Ghost Dog and his love for that movie, we actually decided to turn this episode into a part one of two uh, episodes where we talk about a Jim Jarmusch movie and a Taika Waititi movie. Part just and it just sort of worked out that part way. two will be is not going to be next week. It's going to be later down the line, just to emphasize to people much later, um, much later. Down the yeah, line. but this was this was really uh, this was really great, honestly, and like it's great from the word go. Like when we were introduced um, to our, our our main characters, the way everything is pre- presented is. It is very much a Taika movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good laughter, by the way. <laughs> like, there's no mistaking this is a Taika Waititi movie. No, no, it's it's definitely his movie. So basically the movie, it follows this young kid named Ricky Baker. Not the not Rick Baker, the makeup artist. Ricky Baker, the kid from Deadpool 2. Um, <laughs> whose name is Julian Dennison, by the way. He plays Ricky Baker in the movie. He's he's a 12-year-old kid who's like literally on the verge of being 13 and he's a troublemaker. You know, he does some so he he's done some really heinous crimes like kicking stuff, breaking stuff, spitting and running away, <laughs> drawing on things, <laughs> loitering. Some really messed up shit. <laughs> Truly, truly a, a, a criminal. <laughs> to, to, to quote uh, Carl Urban, diabolical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he's done some. He's done some stuff. He uh, he's he's in foster care, and uh, he goes to live with uh, this like older couple out in like New Zealand. Well, I mean, the whole movie set in New Zealand, but like out in like the bush area of New Zealand, which is this like huge open like wildlife area that's like covers a huge sector of new zealand so like you go in there you can get lost really easily he's he's a little bit nervous at first but he adapts pretty fast especially because um uh the mom that lives out there auntie as he calls her in the movie uh is very loving and affectionate towards him but her husband heck played by the the legend himself uh mr alan grant sam neill uh, does not like Ricky Baker all that much, <laughs> which you know, makes sense because Alan Grant hates kids. So I just imagine this is what Alan Grant was doing between Jurassic Park three and uh, when he shows up in Dominion. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> I, man, it, it, it's yeah. He he is he is very good in this in this movie. He he's he's so good, <laughs> but but basically, um, heck. 
and Ricky just don't get along. Like, Heck is very much like a Bushman, you know, he is, uh, like, as they kind of describe him, he's raised by wolves, you know, he's sort of, but like Ricky, uh, he's a loner. You know, they both sort of were like outcasts in the, in the world, and um, this this very nice woman brought them all together. Sadly, though, poor uh, poor auntie dies, and it's a really it's a really like tragic thing. And that's something that Taika Waititi is really good at too. Is like kind of mixing the more like ridiculous, funny aspects with stuff that's genuinely heartbreaking. Like you know, like the whole opening bit when Ricky Baker is you can't help but say Ricky Baker. By the way, you just you can't just call him Ricky. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's it, like it's one of those names. It's just it's Ricky Baker. Um. You know, they have this whole build-up moment, and it's so fun, it's silly, and it's funny, and it's it's even got a catchy song at one point that should be the most famous movie song ever, I'm just saying. It's, it should be up there, at least. Um, but uh, then it leads to this really sad moment, and I, again, I just think Taika Waititi's really good at, like, sort of balancing that, um, that contrast, because it could be really jarring for a lot of other filmmakers, but he does a really good job at it, I think. But I think about that scene, and unfortunately i've been to a lot of a lot of funerals and a lot of like you know wakes and things like that mm. and taika like while taika's scene is extremely comical and it's like oh my god who let this priest in honestly there i've seen priests where, where they'll they'll say things and you're just like what the hell is this guy talking about <laughs> there's a door and uh there's fanta <laughs> and, and, Coke and sometimes Zero. like listen i get like priests you know there's probably there's a lot of great priests out there but there's also some priests that just they just don't i don't think they understand the grieving process for people and they say things they say things that just it just shouldn't be said and that's what that scene makes i think he does a very good job capturing that and you're trying to deal with your emotions and then this guy is trying to pretend as if he knows that person that just died and just like come up with something that's fitting and it's just like 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 even even in that scene he it's like there's like class participation (laughs) like like does anyone know what else is behind that door vegetables no not not vegetables and then so i love like that wide shot then there's like someone in the back that just goes jesus (laughs) (laughs) is it jesus behind that door but like uh basically she dies um, and so now it's just Heck and uh, Ricky Baker. They decide, you know what? Um, how how how, like, how is this going to work? And unfortunately, the the child welfare the child welfare uh, child welfare people I can't say that word for some reason. Um, who's actually run by I don't I I, I don't know the act the actress's name off the top of it. What's her name? Rachel. Do you House. have it? Rachel House. Rachel House, mm-hmm. who's in Thor Ragnarok as uh jeff goldblum's uh like right hand man <laughs> she is listen in both of these movies it just feels she feels like she's playing the same character in those different ways but she's so but good. it's so good it's, it's so good <laughs> <laughs> this is like super intense but like sort of ridiculous character like she constantly would repeat things like no child left behind no child left behind <laughs> no child left behind um but like she ba- like she basically says to heck hey guess what um i know this is an unfortunate and difficult time for you but um because of this situation we have to take ricky back and ricky doesn't want that and so um 
Ricky Baker, as he periodically tried to do at the opening of the movie, actually runs away into the into the bush and gets lost. And then Heck finds him, and uh, he actually he ends up breaking his leg. So they're basically stuck in the bush. And unbeknownst to them, a giant nationwide manhunt starts like enacting. Especially because it's like it's a thirteen-year-old kid and like a sixty-five-year-old man, so like obviously the thoughts will easily go one way. Man, that was in jail previously for for manslaughter. Yes, um, at one point, so (laughs) that is very which which when Ricky Baker finds that out, he goes, "Oh, gangster! (laughs) (laughs) You should get a teardrop tattoo." Uh, Oh man! So so basically now everyone thinks that. Uh, this guy kidnapped Ricky or something, and uh, he might be a pervert based on some information. <laughs> which, nothing actually happens in the movie, mind you, but it's something that obviously people assume as it plays out. But um, they essentially decide to go on the run in in the, the New Zealand bush, and they they live there for pretty much like like almost half a year. Mm-hmm. And they have this huge bonding experience where they eventually decide to to call themselves wilder people because they the, Ricky was reading like a book about wildebeests and he's like it's kind of like us we're like wilder people. I, I I love that's one of my favorite things of the movie. One of my favorite moments of the movie is is this like you know how much they've grown together when like Ricky Baker is saying to these people we're we're wilder people tell them the wilder people say, we're, we're here. And and they're like what will will what and, and then and then heck is just like will the people <laughs> <laughs> like that, I feel like if so it happened good. like earlier it happened earlier in the movie he'd be like I ignore this kid just don't worry about it just, just ignore what he's saying <laughs> like like that's like, you were talking about this too when I asked you what you thought last night when we were watching it um, how cool it is that like most movies where there's an adult and a kid it's usually the kid. That and I think we've talked about this before on the show. We did, but um, it's usually it's usually the kid that ends up learning something along the way or having to like do something in relation to the adult. Whereas in this case, it's a lot more balanced out. Yeah, it it, it really is. Like like Ricky, you know, like by the end of the movie, like because he's he's all about like the skucks life and gang gangster culture and all these all these different things. Um. But by the end of the movie, it's not like he's like become like a prep school kid or any or anything like that. He still has those in- interests. Like he he didn't he's not the one that went through the big character change. Like Heck is the one. Who, like like one of the best moments in the movie is when Heck like because one of the other and again like literacy and like language is another big thing in this movie because pre before Heck was not literate. Like Le- Heck could not read. No, that's that's a huge that's a. That's a huge reveal, I think, too. Like, because there's a scene earlier in the movie where Heck asks Ricky Baker to read a letter from the child welfare people, but he asks him to read it out loud. And it's an interesting scene because you don't really know why he's doing it. You you think maybe he's doing it just to like let Ricky know, hey, this is what's going on. But then there's that zoom in shot of Heck sort of reacting to what Ricky's saying as if he's just hearing it for the first time. Then later on in the movie, um, it's established because Ricky Baker loves to read that, um, you know, they're getting lost in the woods and Ricky's like, why don't you have a map for us to read? And he's like, I don't need a map to read, you know, besides reading stupid. And he's like, people who can't read 
uh, only say that. And then he stops and he's like, oh, you can't read. And like, I love the moment at the end where he, he gives, he, he presents Ricky with that haiku. Yeah. Oh, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's such, it's such a lovely, it's a, it's a lovely, but it also shows too, like what I also like with Ricky is that he's not, he's not an awful kid. No, he, he's, he's, he's like, like he just needs, he needed, and uh, you know, Bella, auntie provided him that home that that he needed and he already had like a lot of that stuff anyway like he couldn't create haikus and all, all these other things he felt you know i don't want to say he felt like a realistic kid but but it because sometimes it, it's tricky when you're trying to deal with that age group yeah in a movie and you don't want it to become like meme worthy because it could it easily like yes. if this movie wasn't handled as well as it was it would have been a complete joke and we'd be like well, Sam Neill is good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know, at least there's Sam Neill and then some of the other people. Yeah. Listen, listen. Despite everything that Sam Neill is given in this movie, he turns out a later career knockout performance. No, but he does that regard. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, the rest of it is great, thankfully. And uh, Julian, Julian Dennison is, is really, he's, he is the heart of the movie. He is you very know, much right, the heart of the movie. So. He's and he's so he's so funny. He is really fun. Like, but going back to just like characters, like Ghost Dog, we talked about this. Like, you want to when you watch a movie, you want to come to an environment where like you you like the world that the movie creates, or like you know creates a unique world, and you want to see those characters again and again. Like we talked about Ghost Dog and Raymond Perlene, and even some of the mobsters are kind of amusing. In 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 uh, world of people, it really is just such a such a w- fun little weird strange world. Like you have like the one family that Ricky stays with briefly, and then he co- he goes back with them at the end of the movie, and they're just such characters. Or of course, the child sir, the child welfare woman is just like <laughs> <laughs> the debt. Listen, the dedication she has, even if it's a little bit scary and and violent. Like, there's literally a scene where she's, like, showing police officers how to break someone's neck. <laughs> One of my favorite, but I love the the con- the, uh, the constable guy in the in the movie that's always, oh, with, yeah. that's always with her. And she's asking, like, where, where's your things and where's this, where's that? And then she, she try, is, she's trying to read, like, the Miranda rights or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, listen, that's, that's like an American thing. Calm down. <laughs> like, listen, you're not a cop. <laughs> Slow your roll, sister. But, like, just, like, even just, like, the small roles. Or Psycho Sam. Oh, Psycho, Psycho Sam. Sam. Why do they call him Psycho Sam? And then he puts uh, pots and 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 uh, strainers on their heads. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, I like, love the I, I love the bit when they're trying to escape <laughs> with Psycho Sam because like the government's coming for them now, and uh, Psycho Sam like they're like, "What's the fastest way to get out of here? Jetpack!" <laughs> <laughs> and Ricky's like, "You have a jetpack? What?" <laughs> He's like, "Wait." I have an underground bunker. And then he finds the door, and it's just un- there's just dirt underneath it. And he's like, "I haven't dug it yet." <laughs> I also just <laughs> think that, that one can- the the visual the visual humor in this movie is also wonderful. I like the scene where Auntie Auntie shows um, Ricky Baker his bedroom, <laughs> yes! and you see all the little like each item gets a little shot. And like the knife to kill monsters in your dreams. 
it's so it's so ridiculous like she's like oh i got some books for you there there's an indian there's a cat and a monster and a nice sharp knife to kill monsters at night (laughs) (laughs) or like when they're talking about the port the portable cell tower that they have and there's like a little like weird like tiny demonstration on how that works (laughs) and she's so excited like the stingray i like this what is this about (laughs) Or like even just like um like like the montage scenes because there's a because obviously a lot of time passes in this movie and it's only like an hour and it's a little over like an hour and a half, but so much time passes so there's like little montage moments and um there's there's a scene like when when Ricky Baker first enters the bush mm. and he's sort of losing his mind and there's that nice tracking shot that he does a couple of times where you see like Ricky moving throughout the forest in different spots yeah. Like, I love this, and, like, at one point, he's eating a sandwich, and he's like, oh, come on, Ricky, stick to the rations, and then, like, the next shot, he's, like, eating the whole bag of sandwiches, <laughs> and then he, and then, like, he has a little, um, what are they, they call it a hottie in the movie or something? It's, like, a, like, a, one of those, like, silicone bags of water that they heat up to put under yeah, your yeah, bed at yeah, night. Yeah. Um, like, Ricky has, like, an affection towards it a little bit. Because he's never had one before, and so, like, at one point he hugs it, and it's like, oh. But then, like, he gets so hungry, he tries to cook it, <laughs> and then the water just breaks out of it and, like, douses the fire, and he's like, oh. It actually, it's actually funny, because it makes me think of uh, something for next week, um, hint, hint. This this is not the film for next week, but it makes me think of the Gold Rush uh, in some of those scenes where, mm. in the Gold Rush, they're, they're starving, okay? they They're eating shoes. And there's a scene where, like, Big Jim looks at Chaplin, and Chaplin looks like a chicken <laughs> yeah. at one point. <laughs> and, like, this movie, you have, like, a, like a talking like a talking hamburger. Because, <laughs> like, well, like he's, he's getting so hungry, he sees, he like, he's looking at the dog, and it's just a giant, like, whipped cream cake with strawberries on it. And he's, and he's just, like, licking his lips, like... And then he looks up, and he's like, oh, God. And he looks over, and then Heck's staring at him, but he looks like a cheeseburger, and he's like... You alright? Ah! <laughs> uh, yeah, there's so many great visual gags, too. Um, some of the funniest stuff is just, like, the weird one-liners that they have. Like, I always thought Taika Waititi... Is, like, the New Zealand accent is a great accent. And so I always, like, Taika Waititi, I always thought, was, like, very aware of that. I think even when he was making Korg, you know, that character for Thor Ragnarok, you know, a lot of it came from these big like strong like burly bouncers from like uh like clubs and bars that uh would have these like sweet innocent like voice like new zealand accent voices and so he applies that to korg so when you meet korg at thor ragnarok you know he looks like this big hulking character but then he's like oh hey man what's going on how are you and there's there's even like a there's even a guy in the movie um i don't know the actor's name uh but there's a guy in this movie who's a big like scary looking dude but he's got like he seems so sweet and loving and when he meets ricky he's like oh you're ricky you're ricky baker bro how are you i love you man like i'm gonna hate myself if i don't ask this but can i get a selfie (laughs) (laughs) You, you use the the tools that you got, but speaking of New Zealand, New Zealand, can we just appreciate? I don't know if we talked about this too much. Can we just appreciate the just the beauty of New Zealand? Yes, we can because it's like there's so many movies that film in New Zealand. Yeah, because of that. I I, I also think of like um like it's almost like sort of a trope now. It's like when you think of New Zealand, you just think of like the, all the shots in like Lord of the Rings, or you think of like the shots in this movie. It's like oh, it's just this beautiful wide open landscape, but 
in the case of this movie, it really is. Like, they find some of the most beautiful places to film at. Like, I think of that really, like, sort of bitter, sweet moment where they take uh, Bella's ashes to this, like, really beautiful, like, serene waterfall spot. Uh, just sprinkle her ashes into the water. And it's, uh, again, it's really, like, just the location beautiful. But the location and the, and the moment and everything adds to that whole experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's just, it really is just, like... This is gorgeous, and again, it it adds to that like idea of like you're presenting a world for the movie that is inviting in a way that you want to come back and just just see it over and over again. Um, but as they as they put in the movie, it's it's quite majestical. It is quite majestical. Um, it's one of it's again just one of the great lines in the movie. I also love going back to the lines a little bit. I love like all the different things like that are just such Taika Waititi dialogue moments. Like when we first meet Heck and he's got this like pig on his back and uh, the the constable that works with Paula Hall, uh, the, the, child welf- the child welfare lady, um, just audibly goes, oh, he's giving that pig a piggyback. <laughs> 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 or again, like the nice sharp knife thing is funny. Or I love the whole scene when um they're in the they're, they finally like they're, they've been in the bush for a while and they finally get to the cabin and uh those those other hunters show up like the three guys that they run into periodically throughout the movie mm-hmm. and and they're like giving sam neil a hard time but they're like trying to like figure out if he did anything and then and then ricky baker goes off of this whole spiel <laughs> about all the stuff they were doing but he's so vague about it and his wording is so bad so that's when they start to believe that he might be a pervert mm-hmm. like at one point he's like you know he like i just i just would play with myself but he said he would never play with me so i would just be playing with myself <laughs> and one guy's like i i feel sick i feel sick <laughs> but those characters too are just really funny in that by the way but uh again there's so many there's so many like great moments and a lot of it too is um uh stuff that just ricky says randomly like like you were talking about the skucks life thing or uh ricky anytime ricky mentions his aspirations in life it's just funny Mm. (laughs) like i'm gonna be a drug dealer a rapper and die in a (laughs) (laughs) drive-by probably one of the best things though is Again, like I talk about like the balance of sort of like the the funny parts with the sad parts, but also, um, and I think he's done this with all of his movies, like life is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of things in life that just don't make sense or are just silly by nature. Even, even, you know, with all like the heart, heartache and heartbreak and, you know, more dramatic stuff that goes on in everyday life, like life in general is very silly and ridiculous and doesn't really make sense. And I think, I think he captures that really, really well in his movies, especially with this one. Absolutely. It's just like, it, it really was just a treat to watch, to be able to watch this movie. And it, it's really like, if you're just somebody who no, only knows what TT from, say, Thor Ragnarok, or directing an episode of the Ma- of the Mandalorian and appearing on the you know the Mandalorian or whatever, um, you know definitely seek this one out. It's it really is worth you know watching. It's a, about a hundred minutes. It's it's a perfectly paced movie. I think it's it's got beautiful cinematography. 
like the great performances are so good and it's got that like Taika would teach like that world again I know I keep coming back to that with this episode but like the world and the characters that that Watiti's able to present and create it's just like I think about Casablanca in that way where I watch Casablanca to come back because I want to go back to Rick's cafe I want to see Sam the piano player I want I want to see you know Senor Ugate and 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 Peter Laurie and all those other people in, in the movie you know and also just um it's so funny to me as well to think that if I went back and told 21 year old Richard that his least favorite character in a in an already terrible movie called Green Lantern would be like one of his favorite directors later on in his life <laughs> he would he would he would first he would be like how the hell did this this happen did time travel get invented <laughs> then he would be like you're stupid that's not possible at all <laughs> actually that's kind of funny because it's like me with like Forrest Whitaker it's just like Rogue One I'm like eh, his character I feel so bad <laughs> and then you see, I'm like this is like one of my favorite <laughs> the Ghost Dogs is one of my favorite movies but I think we could say both of these movies both promote reading and literacy I would I, I want to go to a book club with Ghost Dog, Raymond, Perlene, get Ricky Baker in on this. And heck and and and, and just get just some like, ice cream. And ice cream. Um maybe we can have uh Tupac, you know, his dog, uh Ricky Baker's dog uh joining <laughs> and, in. And then the random go- dog that pops up in Ghost Dog and just stares. <laughs> yeah, like he's just staring. And then I think there's like they're kind of a, I think they're the same breed of dog too if I I think I don't know. I'm not a dog expert, unfortunately. So neither am I. I have a dog though, but she's she's nothing like Tupac or no. the random street dog that stares at Ghost Dog. <laughs> but no, these movies are very much about that. But it's also like the vibes that they put off and just the way that they're told. Like I think also too, like in relation to just you know, we talk again. We talk a lot about this. We're gonna probably talk more about this. But just the way that things have been lately, this movie sort of like represents you know getting away from things like seeing a whole new thing but also just like having really good vibes the whole time so it's like the same thing when i was watching paddington or when we watched hamilton it's like the this feeling of just 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 nice like feeling that is sadly absent a lot lately in in the in the current state of things like while things are still getting better we are still in this and it's, so it's nice to watch these movies that just either have a really good vibe to them with great characters that you just want to see over and over again. And also just movies that are just ridiculous. Like, not even just that they're funny, it's just that they're absolutely ridiculous. It's also a case of, like, when I look at these two movies, I feel like it is, like, an ultimate, like, Richard and Joe double feature. Because I feel like Hunt for the Wilder People, I'm like... Yeah, this makes sense. Why we're <laughs> favorite of Richard's? It just makes so much sense. Yeah, it, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean that the best way, but it it makes absolute sense. Um, and even and we even joked a little bit that had we not already did our radio drama the way that we did, I honestly feel like this would have been the two dudes movie. <laughs> but like, and the thing, and the thing, the funniest part too is that. In real life, if we were playing something closer to ourselves, I would be Ricky Baker and you would be Sam Neill. 
<laughs> but because of how our characters are on the thing, it's the other way around. Right. And then, like, Psycho Sam would be Slim, like, the Slim Whittles character. Yes. <laughs> the Constable and um, Paula Hall would definitely be Allison and Gif. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, my God. And then, um, uh, 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 Chris, who plays Christo, the, the evil clown, would be uh, like one of the hunts, like the hunter dudes. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to our Halloween episodes because there's some there's some gold in those episodes. There's a, some absolute gold. Um, and and then just watch this movie and you'll be like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> but yeah, so both of these movies are pretty great. They're pretty pretty great. They got great. If you want some like great characters and just just some great acting, beautiful cinematography. Um, and just some some good like it, it, I don't want to say like makes you think, but like they're, they're really good stories. I think they're yes. they're really well told. And some some great filmmakers, Jim Jarmusch is great, and Taika Waititi is uh, you know Academy Award winning um, writer because he wrote you know did yeah, Joe, Joe and Joe he Biden. won a Grammy recently. So he's halfway to EGOT. He just got to win an Emmy and, and a Tony, and he's he's good to go. And you know what? He did direct some episodes of the the television show version of what we do in the shadows. If though if if that ended up winning an Emmy, or is going to win an Emmy, I don't I wait, which I don't think the show's nominated. But if it did, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And he could do a musical. I'm pretty sure he could. I, I, I'm so, yeah, yeah. That that would he's be... just he's he's currently E. He's currently uh no he's a uh, he's go right now. Yeah, he's just go, he's just go, but. Hopefully we'll get those those other letters uh, pretty soon. Anyway, folks, uh, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. What are some of your favorite uh, Jim Jarmusch movies or Forrest Whitaker movies? What are some of your favorite Sam Neill movies, Taika Waititi movies? Or what are just movies that give you good vibes, that put you just in a, in a really, really good mood? Please let us know on our socials, Insta, Facebook, Twitter. We're not on MySpace. That does that's not even a thing. No. Uh, Were you thinking you, that? You even, <laughs> no. But I, but I was thinking about ancient communication because the ep, the the episode like Ghost Dog is about communication, and I'm like they can't send us a pigeon. So <laughs> like, if you guys you know, want to comment on one I, of our shows via pigeon, I'm gonna be surprised if I see a pigeon outside my window and it says you could have done better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Joey. <laughs> 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 Alright folks, uh, check check us out next week. Have a good night everyone. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out as always to John and Kenny Armstrong. You both are great. Thank you for the music that you make. And of course a hint. For next week's double feature, to honor the man himself, Mr. Charlie Chaplin, we are making an entire episode about Chaplin, and we'll be revisiting a director we talked about today. <laughs>